Matt McInerney, New York. Andy Mangold, Baltimore, Maryland. Dan Auer, San Francisco. It's January 13th, 2013. This is On The Grid, episode 26. We asked the big question of whether or not graphic designers should be certified. We also discuss a new startup called Cascadio and whether or not they're trying to take our jobs. <laughs> and I bring up a proposed format that I've been working on called ReLogo. This is on the grid. Let's, Let's go. go. Andy, are you happy that your your Ravens beat the Broncos and you're going to the AFC Championship representing yeah. Baltimore? Yeah, fuck yes, yeah, Ray Lewis and not playing his final game. I know oh, you're yeah. so excited. Yeah, no, totally. I actually did watch a part of the game yesterday because I, I saw on Twitter things were getting exciting. Mm-hmm. Would have been on the television because I was at home, so I had a television. Home wow. meaning my parents' house, not my 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 own house. Oh. And uh, no, yeah, I mean I think it's very exciting for I like to see the underdog you know win. And if Baltimore Baltimore is nothing if not an underdog, so yeah, I say go us. Well, go you until next week. I will be rooting against <sighs> you with all my heart. And I don't pay that much attention to football, but I, I know enough to know that I really just don't like the Patriots. I know. That's how everybody feels. It's just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of white people that should lose. I want them to lose. My week was, my week was good, though. I, uh, like I said, I was home. I went back to Pennsylvania for my some of my nieces and nephews uh, share a birthday. Three of them all share one birthday, actually. Oh, cool. And uh, So they all turned 10 and went back for their birthday party, which was very exciting. Um, and I got them all Calvin and Hobbes books, which I think is really essential for a 10-year-old to own. Yeah, you can't be a good person 10-year-old without a Calvin and Hobbes book. Yeah. No, you can't yeah. be a good person any year old without a Calvin and Hobbes book. But you got to start. You got to start them young. And like we've talked about how I don't like gift giving on this show before, but yeah. with children it's different because children, you're not just giving them a gift that's like a thing. You're giving them like a hey, you're young and you didn't even know this existed. Like I'm introducing this whole new idea to you in the world. Welcome is, to the color blue. Mind yeah, blown. boom. Uh, no, so I think I I enjoy gift giving for children, and by children I say anybody before puberty. I think is probably fun to give gifts to. After puberty, it's not fun anymore. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is a question. Should graphic designers be certified? And the whole idea came from a gentleman named Esteban Perez Heminger, part of his master's in communication design thesis. And he brought up this big discussion about whether or not graphic designers should be certified. Obviously a discussion that has been brought up before. You know, he brought in a panel basically to discuss this with a small audience. Well, this has been going on for a long time. And uh, I mean, it's just something I've followed for a while and happens in other countries so the in the u.s it's never really gotten any steam because you know freedom doesn't really have any supporters i mean there, there are people that try to do it every once in a while like every 10 years somebody comes along and tries to explain that this needs to happen and here are the benefits and here's how it's going to benefit graphic designers but it never really seems to go anywhere but they do have this stuff in in canada in switzerland and norway and the uk in denmark in australia I, th- I think probably the most notable one is in Canada. There's one called the RGD, which is Registered Graphic Designers. And they actually were able to pass a bill regulating the term Registered Graphic Designer. So only they can certify one and they can decide what the skills are needed and what knowledge you would require and what your ethics should be. Wow. But of course, we do have like the AIGA in America, which is not a certification program, but does it, it kind of serves the same purpose where they might just decide what, what standard ethics might be. not taking on spec work and making that kind of a standard amongst the industry. So there are benefits to it, but I do usually fall on the side of certification is just one more unrequired step to being a graphic designer and ultimately doesn't mean much. I, I can I can see the, the side of the argument. There are places where I think certification could be useful, and it seems like those things are never brought up, like environmental graphic design, wayfinding, and signage yeah. could actually be very useful to have a certification, much like 
an architect would require one based on the kind of work you're doing. Like if you're designing a sign that is 20 feet tall and could fall over and kill a person. Mm-hmm. I actually think, I think, <laughs> I think certification <laughs> really comes down to like, can this thing kill someone or not? Yeah. And that's probably the most useful reason to have one. And, you know, the way it goes now is you can be an environmental draft designer and you'll have to work with a structural engineer and an architect usually to certify your drawings and make sure that they can actually be built. But it does strike me that there might be a useful position available in the world for someone who could do all those things and is certified to do that. But wow. in terms of just regular graphic designer, I don't know. What, why do we need a certification? Well, yeah, yeah I, mean, I think you nailed it, Matt, saying that, you know, it, it really comes down to can what you do for a living kill people? on a regular basis. <laughs> uh, and that's why, you know, doctors are certified and why architects are certified because buildings could fall down and kill people and why a lot of those professions are. And I think that in those professions, from my perspective, certification is, it's, it's a hurdle. It's a hindrance on innovation and working fast and doing interesting things in that field. But it's a necessary hindrance because, again, those people can do something that could kill a person. And mm-hmm. uh, that simply is not the case with uh, any graphic design unless you're making some ridiculous edge case you know, argument for somebody following the wrong sign and going off a cliff or somebody reading a poster incorrectly or reading a medicine bottle wrong and taking all the pills. And, uh, and those things I don't think are anywhere near worth the, uh, the trouble of certification. I'm interested to hear that you said that you, you see the benefits that other countries, you know, go through. What exactly are those benefits? But play devil's advocate for a second, because I, I am staunchly, staunchly opposed to this, I have to say. I'm, I'm saying the benefits are the same benefits you would be granted via program like a society like AIGA or something. What are those benefits? Can someone fill me on that too? Because I never really understood that. That everybody can follow. You're not going to, not everyone falls in the same traps. I think spec work is a very good example of that. If you set a standard and say, anyone involved in this association does not work on spec, Mm -hmm. then it becomes very hard for a client to request spec work. They're going to have a hard time finding a person to do it. And they're probably going to have to find a kind of (laughs) the rat to do it for them. In the same way, a certification program can do the same thing. I just don't think the certification is required. It's just that you have an organization with a lot of people agreeing on the thing. Yeah, I mean, that, that's very different for me. Like, why do I have to pay $50 a year or $200 a year and also get certified before I'm allowed to not take spec work if I want? I mean, it's one thing to be setting sort of ethics and morals that, you know, you think a field should be bound by. And it's a whole other thing to say that you're going to be the one organization that says whether or not someone can do a job for you, which is, I think, a very different different thing than uh, than just setting ethics and that sort of stuff no yeah. i i agree with you i think it's kind of like it's the same idea as a union where there are obviously there are benefits to being able to organize in mass against whether it be an employer or a client mm-hmm. but I, d- I think we kind of live beyond the usefulness of that i think we see it with unions right now unions not really being as relevant as they once were when people were being locked inside of flaming buildings and I don't think a certification program is really going to help a graphic designer all that much. Um, if anything, it just brings up the debate of who is doing the certifying, why are they getting paid this amount of money, and what are the principles that they work on? I well, think you could, you could debate that standard all day and never get it right. I, I do want to play more of the devil's advocate because I'm, I'm not really against the idea of certification. I'll go ahead and say that. And Good. I'm glad somebody is. I, yeah. I want to hear the other side of it. Because I'm thinking about it from the, the non-death-related scenario, because there are people who, are, who have to be certified certain ways to do other jobs that don't necessarily mean life or death. Two of them that come to my mind are teachers and realtors. Teachers, you have to be certified to be able to teach in certain states, so you have to go through a process to be able to teach there. 
And that is the only route for many states, I don't know if all states, to be able to get a teaching position for public schools. Like it has to happen. I'm pretty sure it has to happen for private schools as well. And realtors, you have to be certified as a realtor to be able to sell houses. Like it's just, it's mandatory. I think it's entirely because I guess how they're doing it in Canada, where there is one standard where you have to do this to be able to officially have a position in this field. And I could see the benefit of that. Like there's a bunch of people that we all know call themselves designers, but they really aren't. They would have to go through the certification process to be able to do that. I don't even know what that would be. And that would also cause graphic designers, like if we really are going to do the job, then we we have to go through that extra hurdle. The question to all this, though, too, is like, do you actually have to go through that? At the end of the day, for most of it, it's probably just going to be a, an official term that you get to use that other people can't use, like registered graphic designer. Yeah. But everybody can still say they're a designer, you know? Do, do you remember when it seemed like everybody started coming out with certifications for program languages or yeah. for different programming languages? Mm-hmm. Oh, the and books were awesome. Everybody seemed to have some sticker on their resume that said they were certified by this sanctioning body for this programming language. But the the joke was that there were so many of these and there were so many different kinds of certifications that none of them meant anything and you were just wasting your money buying one more certificate. Yeah. I think it, it could ultimately turn into that too where – Okay, so one person owns the term registered graphic designer, another owns the term certified graphic designer, another owns some other brand name that they can give you and and allow you to use on your resume, but it doesn't stop anyone from calling themselves a designer or doing that work. Yeah, and they already have this, like, I'm certain that there's a couple of different, a couple of different major uh, certifications that interaction designers can do. I think one is based on architecture. One is just based off of, I think, just interaction design. So these things already exist, but that already makes the case in the point that there are two different things for one type of position, and most people don't even know about it. So playing devil's advocate against myself, you know, if it's if it's not something that's enforced and it's something that's completely voluntary and has the ability to become multiple things, then yeah, it, it is completely worthless. Matt, you keep saying that no matter what happens, people could still call themselves designers and still do that kind of work. And that's true. But I think the people that are lobbying for this sort of thing would, if there was a certification system in place, go to Fortune 500 companies and go to the biggest websites and tech companies and convince them not to hire people that weren't certified. Like that, that would be the, the end goal. Yeah. The people I always hear bitching about the certification thing, and I'm just going to tell it like it is, are people that are either lazy or untalented that have paid a bunch of money to go to design school and now they can't get a job and they're pissed off because other people that didn't spend $50,000 to get a degree are getting jobs. Yeah, And right. those people, I mean, nothing makes me more frustrated than to see somebody trying to make the case that because they spent four years in school, they are more suited to a job than somebody else that didn't do that. Because as anybody that's been to art school or design school knows, going through that program doesn't really mean jack shit on the other end. Uh, even the best program in the world is still more so than in any other field when it comes to design, you get out what you put in. Yeah. Uh, and you can make it all the way through the system, bullshitting and doing crappy work, and you can graduate and get your diploma. Or you can work really hard and put a lot of your effort into it and get a lot out of it and become a much better artist, designer, creative person on the other end. I, which is funny and ironic because a certification, how is that different than a degree? Oh, I, I mean, think, they, I think they are it's different, one and the same. Yeah. The idea of it, like it's one more thing yeah. to, be, to be know able to say you, that you, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, like I said before, I was up at fucking 4.30 in the morning thinking about this. And I was up for probably about two straight hours thinking about it because the one thing that really bugged me the most was that the certification, when I started thinking about it, certification felt like it was just a layer on top of all the other shit that needs to happen to be able to come to 
become a designer. And I felt like the problem wasn't a lack of certification. I feel like the, the real problem is the education because while all three of us went to pretty good, you know, design education systems, there are plenty of really bad design education systems. And uh, I feel like so much of it is disparaging and so much of it doesn't actually teach uh, the real chunks of design that you need to know at the beginning of your education. I, I feel like they should try to fix that first so that everybody's nearly on the same page of what the foundation of design is before trying to tack more shit onto it. You can't do that though. Yeah, I don't know. You, you it's, can't. it's really, you, no... it reminds me that this conversation is at the end of the day, it seems meaningless because this is about people. It's not about programs. It's not about certification. It's about the kind of person that you are. Yeah. If you're the kind of person that is going to make it through a terrible program and do great work, that's the kind of person you are. And if yeah. you happen to go to a better place, you might have a little bit, you might be a little bit further ahead. Mm-hmm. But if you're still great and you're going to do great work, that's still the kind of person you are. There are plenty of people that don't go to school and do great work. Absolutely. So I don't know. I think it, I, to, to, to bring up the idea of the teacher certification, like, does that solve the problem of teaching in America? Hell no, it does not. There's, yeah. a, there's a huge problem there. And mm-hmm. also, one, the reason a, a certification program can even happen there successfully is because it's a government-run program. Yeah. If it weren't, like if graphic design were a government-run program, well, that would be a pretty easy thing to get a certification in place. But because it's not, and designers are the people who love making standards, let's not forget that. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a million standards for certification. Everybody wants to be the person that starts a certification program, yeah. and then there will be a million competing certification programs. It's about people, though. It's not about yeah. I agree with I agree with Andy that the people who talk about certifying designers are the people who are not doing good enough work. I don't, I don't want to be such a jerk, but no, be a jerk. Like fucking, they're being jerks. It's it would seem like the kind of people who are doing who are not doing good enough work to secure the jobs by themselves. No, the next time I see a fucking MFA student at some restaurant look at a menu set in papyrus and go, "We need a certification program for graphic design," I'm just gonna <laughs> fucking freak out. Like, yeah, it's, and when you bring great graphic designers to the table to talk about it, I mean, in the article it mentioned Michael Beirut and a couple other great designers, but he just his quote stood out in my head. Here's one sure way to convince the business community of the value of graphic design. Do a really great job for your best client. If all of us did this every day, we'd win the battle the only way the battle can be won. One job at a time, one client at a time, one day at a time. Certifications of our confidence will never be enough. Quit longing for respectability and start doing great work. What else do you need to say? There's not going to be a certification process that's going to work for you. That's not going to mean you get a great job. Yeah. Do a better job than the people around you. Shut the fuck up and make stuff. I guess if we do need, if we ever run out of time to do this show and we just need a sponsorship program for somebody else to edit it, we can just start handing out certifications. We can just start certifying designers. <laughs> You're give, on the grid certified. Call, make your case. Pay us 50 bucks. We'll give you a tag. So, uh, so the next thing I want to talk about is something that was shared with me through Twitter by somebody that. I know really well that it's not a designer. Uh, she's more of a technology person. She sort of shared it to me and wanted to know what my thoughts were on it. Uh, and, and the website was something called Cascade.io, so Cascadio. It's a website that makes the promise that your startup design struggle is over. Quote, pulling off a design for your startup feels impossible, but creating a design doesn't have to be a nightmare. Cascade takes the pain out of designing it yourself. And what this product basically seems to be, and at this point, it's not yet public, uh, so I can't see the real product. I'm just going on with the, what it advertises itself to be. Basically, seems to be you know, a set of tools and themes and sort of infrastructures and frameworks 
that will best allow somebody who is not a designer to make something that is accessibly designed, that looks good, that can sort of pass in the world of startups, uh, that won't be sort of laughed out of the room if they were to show it to some investors or something. So the different things you can do using Cascade are design a logo uh, by choosing font recommendations and applying effects to create the perfect visual representation of your business. I'm reading all this directly from the website. You can choose a color scheme from pre-picked ones they have, add graphics, create layouts, and more. I asked people on Twitter what they thought of this, just sort of put it out there. I think I'm followed by largely graphic designers, if I had to guess. And almost everybody responded uh, with some sort of snarky comment about how ridiculous it was or felt really strongly like it was devaluing design and all this sort of other stuff. So uh, you guys did not respond to that. So I was wondering what you guys thought about this whole sort of situation of Cascadio. To me, it just seems like here's another site doing the same thing that many other sites have done, but they've marketed it in an interesting way. Yeah. And this is one of those, it just seems like bait, right? Somebody sends you this link. They want you to get so mad. Oh, no, I will say that this was not sent to me as bait. All right. So it's another template site. And if you can do a better job than I can with a template, hey, good on you. I, I better figure out a better way to do my job. Dan, well, what did, what did you think? Let them. My feeling is that there are so many things where people are trying to bypass uh, getting a professional to do something for money. So this is just another attempt to do it. Let them. Like, I, I honestly don't give a shit. Like, I, I get their whole way of trying to represent it with their marketing and like you don't need a designer anymore and smart enough people know it's bullshit so i i honestly just don't get it uh, let them the service isn't bullshit the the message is bullshit the service is just an easy way to make a template right yeah is, is there is it anything more than that andy am i missing something i, I mean the other thing unless you design your logo i would say in air quotes which i think was the part that was most sort of off to me but no i mean it seems like it basically you know, you build the, the guts of something and this will be this, you know, pretty little veneer you can stick on top that makes it look acceptable so you can show it to people. That, that's the perception I'm getting from it. I feel similarly in that I definitely think there's no reason to get pissed off about it because, you know, if you want to look, you don't have to look very far to find people that are devaluing design. I don't even think this is doing that. And I think it's sort of a situation where you get what you pay for. And if you can't afford to pay a professional graphic designer, which is the case, I mean, very many people that are building these websites and building bootstrapping Startups cannot afford to pay a proper graphic designer because they're doing all the work themselves. Uh, so if you can't, then yeah, I mean, do what you have to do. You go, you know, to 99designs and get yourself a logo and go over here and grab yourself a theme. Uh, but you're going to get what you pay for, and it's not going to be of the same quality that you know you're going to get from an actual professional certified graphic designer. <laughs> the the big question that sort of this raised for me a little bit was, you know, how much of the design process do you think we can, if we really took our time and tried to, we, we could really automate in, in a sense. Like how much, if you and I and all of our best graphic designer friends sat down and tried to make a service for tech people they could pay for, where we would provide, you know, the best template possible for them. Like how much of that process could we automate? How far could a business get before they would really need a professional to come in and, and attack the problem in a unique way? If you look at t step one of the, of the design a logo thing. I think you automate type studies. Like you could, you could come oh, up yeah. with a program. You type in the style font you want, generate a whole list of things, and then we'll pin it to the wall, and we'll, we'll that will be a starting point for thinking. Yeah. That seems fine. Like choosing this color scheme. I think if you want to generate a bunch of color schemes and pin those to the wall and have that be part of your process, that's cool. Adding graphics, like people use stock icons all the time. That seems fine. You tack those to the wall, make that part of your thinking. Think think about the symbols starting points for layouts like all of those things can be part like part of any designer's process where you have kind of stock versions of things and then you think about it a little bit further i think that the missing point is like 
having a, a thoughtful human being try to make something unique for you. And if you're not interested in that, cool. But all these things are, you know, we've seen these automated a million times and it, yeah. it's pretty effective because it keeps happening. Well, and that's interesting to think about maybe the idea of like the elements of design being automated. Like what, what you're saying with the, the type, the color, the shapes, all the little bits and pieces that we use as tools. That I could totally see that being automated. Even just like for our own designers use, if we want to get something ramped up really quick. Like if we had to do something overnight, whatever. Uh, we automate stuff all the time, like draw a square in Illustrator. That's a that's a tool. Mm-hmm. We don't draw our own squares. I mean, well, some sure. people. I'm sure there's an argument made a long time ago that you're you're not worth your salt if you're not drawing your own squares. But oh yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, like that sort of thing. I if there was a way to automate it even more, awesome. Like I I, I am totally impartial to that. I think it's just when you need to make it unique. It's when you take all the elements and piece them together. You know exactly, yeah. I that, mean, it's stuff like stuff like kerning, where uh, it's been the arguments made over and over and over again that a computer can't do it. Yeah, there are programs like iKern that do actually a really good job. Of yeah, it, they do. And <laughs> will still require some tweaking at the end, but yeah, I would I would love to automate kerning and not have a human involved in it if it's going to save money to make a better font. Um, yeah. And yeah. I used it on my own font, and it works pretty well. So I'm not against the idea of automation if you can get it to work very very well. Yeah, but. At the end of the day, if you want something unique to you, I still think you're going to need a human somewhere in there in order to kind of play with, with, with symbols and, and shapes and colors and make something that is great. You're never going to get something... I can't imagine automating something great. And if you can do that, go for it. But If you, if you can do it, you know, please make your billion dollars and give us a little. Being in my, my job for the past two years-ish, uh, people all... I get the question all the time. Like, I have this idea for this startup... I'm either a developer, I need help with design, or I have this great idea, I need someone to help design it for me, but I have very little money. You know, how much does your services cost? I say, here's this big number. They say, oh, that's way too much. What can I do next? And my answer is like, well, you know, figure it out. And I think early on, I was much more precious of the idea of design. I was like, well, if you can't afford it, then you're screwed. Like, good luck, you know, try and do your best, but, you know, you're not going to be able to do something that's acceptable. Uh, and more and more and more as time has gone, I've been like, yeah, like here's like go 99 designs, like go, go do it. Like, why not? Like, <laughs> give it a shot. Go use all the uncertified various channels that are at your disposal and try and get something that's worth worth your time. I, I often think of the quote from Experimental Jet Set in Helvetica, where they say basically, you know, if you're not a designer and you have to make a flyer, just set it in Helvetica bold at like 48 points and, and you're done. Like, that's a pretty good flyer. And in a lot of ways, I think they're right. Like when I'm talking to a lot of like our, our friends in the tech community, they're not designers and they have questions for me. They're like, oh, how can I make this look good? Which is, you know, Pandora's box of questions for a graphic designer. You know, if you ask me like, how can I fix this? Uh, the answer is, if you're doing it properly, really complex and long and thought out. It involves, you know, ideation and, and brainstorming and figuring out what your true message is. Uh, or I could just say, make the font a little bigger, uh, make your contrast a little higher and, you know, fine, that's good, call it a day. So there are a lot of like small lessons, I think, that, you can impose upon people that are not designers inherently that will make their thing, you know, leaps and bounds better. And it will never be as good as if someone had sat down and done it, you know, bespoke. But there are little things where it's like, yeah, just do this. Like if, like if, you're, if you're in doubt and you're not a designer, just don't ever use full black on a website. You know, just use like a dark, dark gray. It'll probably look better. Uh, is that a good rule to apply to everything? No, of course, there's situations where you want to use black. But if you're not professional and you're not thinking about it and you're not trained in that thing yeah just you know do that thing uh, like mm-hmm. make these rules for yourself and follow them and it'll probably come out looking better than if you had just you know wung it i actually appreciate that this is a this is a thing in the world like i i'm glad that i have some i have more things i can send to people that 
cannot afford a graphic designer but want their thing to look good because ultimately those people are not our enemy those people are people that understand to some basic degree the value of design they know enough about design to know they want to have something that's designed for them they simply can't afford it and i think some people are really hostile towards these 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 tech people that you know i can't afford a designer but i want a design it's like well you don't understand how much this is worth we're really <laughs> valuable and we're really great and it's like well yeah but they can't necessarily afford it so I don't see those people as our enemy. I see those people as our uh, our friends, and I'm trying to figure out better ways to help them, you know, do the best they can on their own. And this could be a good step in that direction. I appreciate the attitude, too. And, and I think we do this where we see this too much, just writing somebody off who's, who can't maybe afford your services, and you say, screw them, to the dogs with you. Yeah. there's There are in-betweens, and it's not the, – the experimental jack set quote is good, like – there are degrees to which something can be good too. A poster in forty point Helvetica that's not going to look bad, you know. No, it's yeah, not going to be the job to you at all. But well, well, it's not going. It'll be legible, and somebody can understand maybe what you're trying to say. The thing that came to mind when you were saying that is that I, I wonder about the value of something that was a resource for non-designers. Like, like there's these template sites where they try to pre-build things for you. What if? Like, I wonder if that's really the the right answer. What if there was just a resource that is like a website or something that says just that. Like if you set something in this font, it's going to look better than what you have. Or like if you're trying to make this sort of business, you might want to try these as inherent options for fonts or for colors because that is just a trend of what other things in that industry do. Like I, I wonder if that has more value of just kind of pointing out little tips and tricks than mm-hmm. like these these cookie cutter things that everybody's going to have anyway. Well, that that assumes people can execute themselves. Maybe they can't, you know? Oh, yeah, sure. To me, I, I'm, I'm very interested in that idea of how can we take people that are non-designers and give them like a fundamental knowledge. I'm working on a, a curriculum right now for a class I'm going to teach in Baltimore at some point to tech people about typography because I found that that's one of the areas that people are least knowledgeable about and mm-hmm. if, you know th- if you know nothing about typography, it really shows. And I think that a fundamental knowledge would be pretty easy to give somebody. It can make a huge, huge difference in the quality of their, their end product. So it's been really interesting for me to sit down and be like, all right, you know, obviously no one's going to come out of this you know, weekend-long class like Stephen Coles, like an expert. But what are the really important things? And I think you can honestly get someone like 80% of the way there, probably in a weekend if they're, if they're willing to learn. Mm-hmm. Where you know, that last 20% is really the hardest part. And then that's what you spend you know, four years at school and all the practice for. But... A fundamental understanding of like whether something's readable or legible and what sort of tone a typographic layout has, I think, is a pretty easy thing. And so I'm, I'm really interested in bringing that knowledge to more people and I'm not interested in sitting in a little ivory tower of certification and just looking down at everybody else that doesn't have that, you know, that last 20%, those four years of practice and the 10,000 hours of typesetting things. I want to raise the lowest part of the bar um, more so than the highest part of the bar, I guess. And I think we do see it, too, from designers that this is a, an unreachable skill that you could never possibly understand when really what we're trying to exercise most of the time are things that are this way because they panned out this way after hundreds of years of trying other things oh, and this yeah. is maybe the most effective way to do something yeah that's, uh, that's if fine. we just make that clear i actually think our services are more valuable because it's a little more tested uh we become our expertise actually shows through a little bit more we're not just like you said andy we're not just sitting in our tower and making bold decisions that could be one way or the other. Well, it, it, that's what drives me crazy because when I started out in high school and in college, I actually started out in computer science. So it was more about engineering and, and way less about design. I f- eventually got to design after that. The one thing that I appreciated from uh, engineering schools is that everything is available. All these things are learnable and they make that very explicit. Like it's not just something that dawns on you in the middle of the night. It's something that you learn because of science. 
it, it's much more practical. Uh, people appreciate engineers much more because they can build these things. They just know that the proper education is going to get the proper product. And that is a scenario where more people will die if you do it wrong. But I wonder if we should get to the point where design education and design after education be, should really just say like, yes, these things are readily available. It, it's not some sort of like hidden gem that you'll never be able to attain. But if you want to be able to spend time for it, you know, you'll incrementally get better. If you spend a lot of time on it, you'll be significantly better. And that's the thing about all these organizations and certification systems is that, you know, the more we keep to ourselves and try and convince others that they can't learn what we do and that we're specialists, the less we're going to learn from talking to other professions and other trades and other crafts. And I think that that, that exchange of information and knowledge is really, really valuable on both ends. Yeah. And that's why, like, I'm really, I cannot wait to teach a bunch of like computer science majors about typography and explain to them that it was something that was invented. It wasn't, you know, just this weird thing we just have. Like we invented letters. Like we and we invented that way for a reason. And we invented lowercase letters because all uppercase was really unreadable. That's why we made the little ones because that really helped with, you know, making everything more legible and readable and you know, improving the pace of someone's reading. And so if you're going to set something in all caps, you better have a goddamn good reason to do that because there's a reason we invented the small lowercase letters. And little things like that, I cannot wait to explain to these people because it's going to be like a light bulb that, you know, goes off in their head and it's going to be so exciting. The last topic is actually something that I proposed... I don't. I think a year ago. It's been a long time. No, it was it's more been than longer that. than that. It's been Has like it? two years. Really? Yeah, because Krauss's arms has been dead for at least a year. So you had to have proposed this a while ago. <laughs> yeah. So I proposed this idea. I, I called it ReLogo. Um, it was a rel tag, R E L equals logo that you would insert in the header of your site, and this would be a way of specifying um, a vector logo that could be served to anyone, kind of like you would serve a favicon right now, uh, using very much the same language as a link tag. And hopefully, my idea was that you would be able to download someone's up-to-date logo and use it in whatever form of media you need to use it in, making sites like Brands of the World obsolete, because I tend to think those things are terrible, because they usually have a database of poorly drawn logos that aren't necessarily up-to-date and aren't official by any means. And I think we've all been in the situation where you need to use somebody's logo on a thing, maybe a sponsorship message or something where you need to download like 20 logos. There's no good way of getting all of them. You usually need to email the company and they will say, oh, uh, let me get back to you. We'll contact our marketing person and they'll send you a JPEG and you say, actually, would you be able to supply me with an Illustrator file? And they'll say, what's an Illustrator file? And back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I thought it might be interesting to try to create a standard for delivering logos because it seems like a really simple process that has just been ignored for a long time. And so I proposed a standard. You can find it at relogo.org. And then it was rejected by microformats saying that it is the exact same thing as REL equals icon. We don't need two things. We just need one thing. And you're just kind of diluting it. So I kind of let it go for a while. And then it was brought up recently on a show called Treehouse. And it reminded me that this thing existed. And just made me start thinking about the way we deal with brand guidelines in the current state of things. If, if I were to kind of bring this idea back up, I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about it because I trust your opinion and I think you might have an interesting take on it. And mm -hmm. also kind of to see is, is this worth bringing back up to try to create a standard for delivering a brand and a brand guidelines and make it a little bit bigger? Or is it good that microformats shot it down and it should just remain a rejected format? I really admire you for doing this. I think it's a brilliant idea and it's something that's simple enough that I don't see why people shouldn't do it. 
Uh, and I agree right now, trying to find the logo for some company is either, you know, going to Brands of the World and getting some live traced version of it that someone pulled into Illustrator and just rotoscoped. Or, uh, or if they have a, if they're lucky enough to have a brand standards page, you can usually download an SVG from there, but there's no unified way to do it. And it's, and it's really practical in a lot of ways because you can also, you know, you have this sort of API setup. So you can, if you're making a blog post, you can pull in anyone's logo and show it any size because it's SVG. Uh, it's scalable because it's for retina screens too. So it's, it's immediately very easy to use in that sense. I, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think this is the kind of stuff that I love to think of this standard as a design project because it is like you're trying to design something that people want to use and want to adopt and it's just as much a challenge as designing a website or designing a poster i think it's just more interesting so i mean yeah i think this should be brought back to the to the front to the like the forefront of conversation i I do want to i want to let's push us through like I, i think it's worth it if i were to bring this back up and say all right it's been rejected let's revise and rethink this a little bit how would how should we do it differently is it too simple? Does it need to involve more? Like, should it be delivering a PDF that includes brand guidelines? Should it require people to build a whole website? Like, actually, the UC brand was a pretty good example of having a really great brand guidelines as a website that's very available for people to use. Or there are things like this sites like GitHub that actually have a really smart way of doing it where you right click on the logo and it pops up with all the options and ways to use the logo. What would be the best way to bring this back? Part of me feels like it, it feels a little bit unfinished. I think it's just kind of spitballing at this point because I think about the logo, but I think that the, it's never the case where you just get the, the the blacked out logo and that's it or whatever the one version is. Like what makes me think of this is the Twitter logo. It, it can be, I think, two or three different colors and that if there were a combination of things, one being the mark, um, two, maybe even being some sort of type definition or something like that. that. That's tricky. But also maybe even having color definitions. I feel like something like that is just like the, the basic pieces enough that if somebody, so, someone was able to programmatically take that, awesome. And then, you know, maybe they could still visit the brand guidelines to see how the appropriate way is to execute that. But I feel like those are like those are the bits, like we were just saying, could be more automated. And I do feel like the Relogo starts moving towards that. I just wonder if there's more pieces that could be added to that situation. In the automation process, Twitter, for example, has a really good site for their brand guidelines and you can download the the logos and use them and they explain how to use them and how not to use them. I think the frustration is kind of the way everybody packages their logo is in like a zip file and you have to download it and open it. And then if you want to use it online, you'd have to go upload it again yourself mm-hmm. as opposed to things like favicons and a lot of icons where people make them freely available on their website just to link to, or they're just kind of easier to access. And I I would just wonder if that's, is that more valuable to do so? Or is it just good to say, all we need is people to implement their own brand guideline page on their site and let you use them. However, there doesn't really need to be a standard. You just need to know that people have that page so you can gain access to it. I think a standard makes sense. And I think that Dan has something, Dan is onto something with the fact that maybe the biggest problem with this is that it's asking someone to distill their entire brand down to a single mark. And I guess the assumption is that it's going to be on a white background, which may or may not be the case. But I think the standard makes sense. I mean, the brand pages are great for the big companies that have the time to do it, the infrastructure to do it, and that have, you know, a broad enough brand that you want to provide you with all these different versions and different sort of stuff like that. But, you know, there's a lot of value in me being able to use someone else's logo without having to download it myself and host it on a server somewhere to put it in a blog post or something, which is why this is so great. I mean, the idea that, you know, I can write a blog post now about Foursquare and talk about how great they are or whatever. And then they, you know, rebrand themselves in a year. And because I'm using your API call to pull it in, I get 
Foursquare's latest logo biggest updates right in my blog post, and I don't have to worry about keeping that up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like in the future, I mean, right now, whenever anybody rebrands or goes through a big sort of visual shift in their their brand language, there's you know a pretty significant time where you see both. You see both the new and the old sort of overlapping. Uh, you see people with you know the old bags from the Gap or the whatever. And in the age of the internet, we could have a rebranding that could. As soon as you change the files and update it overnight, the next day, everything that previously said Foursquare on it and in the same typeface and lettering has now switched. And people's old blog posts switched and everything switches over. Um, yeah. I think that that's the promise of something like this is that you are centralizing it and you're centralizing it to the brands themselves and giving them that power. So I, I do wonder... So I don't know anything about microformats. You said it got rejected from something. I don't even know what that is. So it sounds like it's some organization that sort of gives the thumbs up or thumbs down to stuff like this, Matt? Yeah, yeah, yes. So why, why do you need their support? Why, why can't this just be a thing that we push on a grassroots level and get people involved and you know start cold emailing people at WordPress and at some of these bigger websites that are content management systems that run you know hundreds of thousands of websites out there to try to get them to adopt this standard? What's keeping us from doing that? Nothing. Uh, it's just good to have the support of site like microformats because they're kind of telling people what is and is not the standard for the web there is it is worth noting that standards are important and that's how you're going to get people like web mm-hmm. browsers and uh developers on the same page like everybody remembers the web pre-standards and it was kind of a nightmare so i i like web standards and i appreciate that movement so yeah. i would like to work within those constraints i don't want to be brute force guy and just try to make it happen that way but it could it could work and I, that's what i did with foursquare i just emailed them and asked them if they want to use it and they did so yeah okay foursquare uses relogo and it's now super easy to get their svg logo yeah i feel like a lot of the times though these standards you have to sort of prove that it's got a place in the world before a lot of times they'll give you the time of day yeah um i i don't have too much experience dealing with standards people but um one of our clients right now was one of the people that like wrote the spec for web fonts and does a lot of standards work with people that run the browsers and all that sort of stuff and sort of his perspective is that they're you know oftentimes very very stubborn and hard to deal with and their, their goal is just to keep the system as simple as possible no matter what which is good i mean we need those sort of gatekeepers to make sure these things are not cluttered but uh but i think it really is a a, a good call for this sort of thing this seems important to me and uh I think also moving into the future, like as browsers sort of evolve, if this was a standard and you could design a browser that you knew you could pull the logo of any single website out there in SVG and you said however big you wanted to, that opens up the door for a lot of different ways to sort of interact with websites when you could represent it with a full color, high resolution graphic instead of a little tiny favicon or whatever. So I, yeah. I, I think that maybe a good way to do this is to sort of you know, push the grassroots thing for a little while, make the case to people that are making big decisions that have a lot of clout and pull a lot of weight. And uh, once you can sort of so, show some traction, then you can have a better case for, you know, making it a standard. Yeah, I think the other thing too is I wouldn't mind getting a, some eyes on this thing from both designers and developers to maybe critique it before pushing out another version of it. I've gotten a couple, you know, I've gotten some feedback, like I've gotten some people suggesting maybe the rail tag can you know there are multiple versions uh the rel tag there's like rel equals logo and then there's rel equals logo space monochrome or like you use the media yeah. tag to to define screen versus print much in the same way you do css mm-hmm. um, which i think is very interesting but i feel like you kind of need to lock that down with the ideas of how this is going to be used and what forms you're going to use it before moving forward and suggesting everybody does use it so i don't know maybe i mean i think this show is just <laughs> as a start to have that conversation but maybe getting more feedback and, and really deciding what, what it's going to be before pushing on 
is the best way to go. This is a prime example of something too that you know you should be talking to everybody you can possibly reach about this. Talk to tech people, talk to standards people, talk to designers, talk to CEOs of companies that have nothing to do with the web, talk to everybody. But at the end of the day, you have to make all these decisions. This cannot be a design by committee sort of thing. This has to be sort of you deciding what you think is going to work based on all this feedback you're getting and then sort of putting it out there and seeing if it's got wings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. I think being able to summon a monochrome or a full color or a light on dark or a dark on light um, version of all these marks is probably pretty important. Maybe there's a, a mark and there's a like a, a typesetting uh, sort of tag you can pull in, but... Yeah, so the question is, how, how full do you make it before it becomes bloated? And th these are this is like some of the most interesting stuff to design to me. Like I love this sort of design problem as opposed to, you know, how do you make this other thing look cool? So, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's exciting. I, I, I want to see you push hard on this. You know, I think part of it is deciding how much t time I want to dedicate to this idea. Is it worth dedicating a lot of time? And I think that's the thing we talk about on the show all the time. Like, part, part of the problem is deciding what ideas you're going to move forward with and actually execute versus trying to decide if it's a stupid idea and to cut bait. That's um, the hardest part of all design. So I don't, I don't think it's a stupid idea. I just think that it might, have, it might require some restructuring because if I'm really going to get support, I do think I need some support from people who would define standards. And if they think it's not useful enough in its current form, maybe I failed a little bit and I need to rethink. Absolutely. I think that's fair and I should, I should hold myself to that standard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I would think too, like I think that the biggest in for you is going to be people that <laughs> are running companies that make a lot of websites, uh, be it a content management system, um, be it something like Tumblr that gives people their own little website on Tumblr's uh, servers. Um, things like that, I think, are going to be... Like, if you can get some of those people on board, that's a really great way to get on 100,000 websites tomorrow instead of having to individually email and, and call and reach out to all these little you know, single ones. Well, um, and, and another idea, too, is maybe see if you can get in contact with Twitter, because that is the one example that comes to my mind that they made those adjustments to their mark. And obviously, everybody uses that Twitter bird everywhere. And when they didn't use that, they used the T. So there was this huge hurdle that they had to face of getting everything on the Internet up to date and maybe just contacting them to see if they had any lessons learned or anything that they wish was more uh, automated or anything that was just they wish certain parts of the process were more simple. Like, I think they could have a lot of insight on this specifically just as a standard that could make their lives easier next time that they would have to do that. And here's the best part about it, Matt, is that, you know, in today's day and age, these things are all completely accessible to us. I mean, we're not celebrities, but I have friends that work for Facebook. I have friends that work for Twitter. Like, it would not be hard to have these conversations with people that could actually be involved in making this decision if possible. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the world is a small place now. I think that this is the kind of thing that you as Matt McInerney sitting in your, uh, your apartment in New York could, could possibly pull off. So go, Matt, go. Cheering section. All right. I think Woo. I will. I'll, I'll reconsider and see what I can do. Awesome. This has been On The Grid, episode 26. You can email the show, mail at onthegrid.co, call us, 973-ONGRID2, tweet links to hashtag onthegrid. Do you want to submit a link? Onthegrid.reddit.com. If you enjoy the show, please review it on iTunes. Thanks to Girlfriends for the music. Thanks to you for listening. Until next week. <laughs>